Hey, hey, good morning, everyone. Man, what a fun time so far, huh? Man, if you're in love with Jesus, let me hear you give him a big shout as we get into this message today. Can we do that? Everyone watching online, a big thank you for tuning in. If you would, hit that like button and that share button so we can reach as many people as we possibly can uh, for Jesus. Grab another cup of coffee and get ready. We're going to dig into this thing in just a second. Did y'all notice a little bit of chill in the air again this morning? Just a little bit cooler? Man, the weather's teasing us. It is teasing. I'm so ready for fall to get here, I can't handle it. Man, preseason football is on TV College football is just around the corner. Hey, if y'all got a favorite college football team? Anybody? On the count of three, on the count of three, shout it out. Okay, one, two, three. Let me hear it. And some of y'all were cussing in church. I heard, yeah, Lord forgive me, I heard go dogs in this church. I cannot believe it. I, thought I heard some roll tide too. Y'all need Jesus this morning. Y'all need Jesus this morning. Hey, if you're a guest this morning with us at Eastgate, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. My name is Josh. I'm lead pastor here, which really means I'm lead servant here. I believe we're supposed to follow the example that Jesus set. And if you want to lead others, then you lead by serving others and showing love to them. That's what it's all about. We're not about building a kingdom here. We're about reaching our community with the love of Jesus. And uh, that's the heartbeat of our church. We say here at Eastgate, no one walks alone. And we believe that. We believe the body of Christ is supposed to watch each other's backs, pray for each other, and love each other. And I got news for you. If you're a guest, you're not going to find a perfect church here. You're not going to find a perfect pastor And that's good because I got some inside information on you. You're not perfect either. That's okay. (laughs) Newsflash. But we're all doing our best to serve the Lord to the best of our ability, and that's what you're going to find here, okay? Not perfect people, but people that have a heart to serve our Savior and make an impact on our community. And that's what we're all about. So welcome. Uh, You're not a guest anymore. You are family. We hope that when you walk through the doors of our church, you felt like you were home because that's our goal, to make you feel like you're at home. So welcome to Eastgate. Let's get ready to dive into this message today. We're kicking off a new series today focused on Jesus's plan for our money. I think God's got a pretty good plan for pretty much everything, you know, but I think so. So we're going to look at His plan for the finances, what the Bible says about it, not Josh's opinion on how he thinks things are supposed to be, but we're going to look at the wisdom that we find in the Word of God, because I don't know if you've noticed here lately, but it seems like dollars tend to go a little bit further. No. I'm making sure y'all are awake. They don't go further nowadays, do they? No. No. so, so now we're trying to figure out how to stretch dimes into dollars and dollars into $5 and, and just make things work. Some of us have had to be real creative with our budgets. Um, we've had to be real intentional about where we go and how often we go with gas prices hitting some crazy highs. And now they, they seem to be dropping down just a little bit, but they're still a lot higher than they used to be. And so while there's a little bit of relief, it's not where it used to be. And so we're feeling pressure there. Everything costs more now because of inflation. Uh, oh, hallelujah. Man, even macaroni's getting a little expensive. Y'all, y'all checked out uh, ramen noodles? Ramen noodles are more expensive than they use. Everything's going up. And so uh, what we wanted to do is take some wisdom from the Word of God to benefit us in this crazy season. 
and not just in this season, but life in general, okay? Because the Word of God, I believe, wants to set us up for success in life. And so we're going to look at some, uh, some great principles in the Word to get us there. Now, when you start talking about finance and money, then usually you've got a group of people in the church that are like, Woohoo! Yeah, let's go do this! And then you've got a group of people in the church that are like, oh, Lord, here, what, what are we doing? What, and it really depends a lot on your background in church and what experiences that you've had. But I would ask you, if you've had a bad experience with churches and finances in the past, I'd ask you to put it on a shelf, okay, and wipe the slate clean because not all churches are the same. It's like not all people are the same. And what we're going to do is look at what the Word of God says about how to operate our personal finances. And I believe that by the end of today, um, you'll have some great tools to set you up for success in that. Uh, we're going to create some work for ourselves today. I'm going to send you home with homework today uh, to come back with next week because this series is going to build on itself. This isn't like a standalone kind of message. This message is going to connect to the next one, which is going to connect to the next one. So if you want to get the full benefit of this, then you're going to need to come back for multiple weeks to get the full picture of what God's Word says on our finances. Okay, so most people, when you say God's plan for finances, immediately we go to giving. Well, we got to give, we got to give, but the Bible says a whole lot more than that about finances. There's, there's a beautiful plan that God put into place. Now, how many of you would say that you trust the Word of God? You trust the Word of God. So that's most of us in here. And if you're in the boat where you don't fully trust that yet, then hopefully I'm, you, you'll land on that ground as you grow closer to Him and you see the track record of His Word is flawless, 100% flawless every time. But if the Bible has a plan for your marriage, if the Bible has a plan for our salvation, if the Bible has a plan for how we can be successful in life. All these things are there. How many of you think that if the Bible has a plan for finances, that it's just as important as anything else? Yeah, so there's wisdom in the Word of God that we can apply. In 2 Timothy 3, starting at verse 16, it, it echoes that. It says, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. The beautiful thing about the truth is that it exposes falsehood. And you can see what isn't working in your life. So it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And here's the big thing about the Word of God. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. How many of you would say you want to be fully prepared and equipped to do everything that God has called you to do with your life? Yeah, so if we're going to do that, then we've got to apply all Scripture to our lives, not just the stuff that's comfortable. Not just the stuff that's comfortable. And I'm not just talking about finances. Look, for, for, the, uh, for the unmarried couple that are living together, sleeping together, me talking about um, sexual purity makes you uncomfortable. It makes you uncomfortable because you're on the wrong side of truth. If talking about finances and God's legitimate plan for finances makes us uncomfortable, there's a reason for that. And it's not because the Word of God is wrong. It's because it's exposing something in our lives that needs to be adjusted. And, and so that's the approach you want to take on this. I, how many of y'all have ever suffered from a very common disease called stuffitis? You know what I'm talking about? Stuffitis. How many of you have ever moved 
And when you are boxing stuff up to move, you realize just how much junk you have accumulated over the years. The last time Kelly and I moved, I was like, never again. Never again. When we moved, it seemed like we threw away more stuff than we kept, you know? Because it's just like over the years, you see stuff and you want it. You see stuff and you want it. Not that there's necessarily anything wrong with getting stuff, but the stuff I just, man, it sneaks up on you. And a lot of times, we overextend ourselves financially, and we end up with stuff that we don't need. It takes up space in our house. It creates cleaning problems and storage problems. And over time, we accumulate things that we have to, to make payments on because it's stuff, and we want it, and we got stuff, fight us, and credit cards start to get balances. We get into a crazy uh, level of debt, and it creates financial pressure on the home. And it creates pressure in the marriage. And over time, if it's not properly dealt with, the pressure from finances will bleed over and cause issues in your relationship. It'll rob peace from your home. It'll rob peace from yourself. You'll, you'll lose the glow in your eyes and you'll, you'll, you'll forget the passion for life that you used to have because you feel like you're a slave in a system going to earn money at a job that you don't really care for to pay for stuff that you realize that you didn't really want. Debt is not our friend. That's not our friend. And so what we want is to not get caught up in that cycle. And I don't think God wants us to be caught up in that cycle because there's a lot in the Word of God. There's a lot in the Word of God to equip us to avoid that headache in life. So Proverbs 21 is a good passage of Scripture to look at. Now I'm just going to give you a heads up. I'm going to read a ton of Scripture today because I want you to see the biblical foundation of God's financial plan for our lives. I want you to see the benefit of Scripture with regard to this stuff. I want you to think this is my opinion. This isn't something that we read out of a book. We read it out of the Word of God, and we're connecting it to principles to help us with our finances. Proverbs 21, 5, it says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. So good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. So there's, there are two keys in that, all right? Most people work hard. How many of you would say, I work hard, Pastor Josh? Yeah, we work hard for our money. But there are a lot of people that work hard that are broke because they don't have a plan. And there's a lot of people with a plan that don't work hard and they're broke because they're not working hard. You need both. You need hard work, and you need a solid plan. So what we're going to do today is look over a good plan for finances. We're just going to look at some budgeting wisdom that will help us. And here's what I know. We need a plan because more money just magnifies our money problem. More money just magnifies the money problem. A lot of people, when say you make X amount of money a, a year, what we think is, if I could just make this much more, then the pressure would be off, and I'll have the freedom that I need with my finances. If I could just make this much more, it would be a game, just $10,000 more a year, or a couple of hundred dollars more a week would make all the difference in the world. I just need more money, but more money doesn't solve it, guys. 
I found that out in my life. There are people that make $40,000 a year and say, if I could just make more, and they get the raise or they get the new job, and they go from $40,000 a year to, to fifty dollars or $60,000 a year. And what they find out is when they were making $40,000 a year, they spent $40,000 or more a year. And when they hit fifty dollars or $60,000 a year, they spend fifty dollars or $60,000 a year and a little bit more. The problem isn't getting more money. That's not the solution. The solution is having a solid plan for the money that you do have. I know people that make $40,000 a year right now that are in better financial shape than people that make $100,000 a year because they have a plan for their finances and they're working it. They're putting money in savings. They're working investments. They're not spending all their money. They're wisely appropriating the money where it needs to go instead of just throwing it out the window and spending it in as soon as they get. And that's the trap that we fall into. Most of us have extra money in the budget, but we just throw it out the window on things and don't realize it because we don't have a plan to keep us accountable and to get us ahead in the game. Now, I'll make you a promise. I'll make you a promise today. I will not tell you how to budget your money. I will not tell you what to do with your stuff. Okay? I'm not going to tell you what to do with your stuff. Over this series, I'm not going to tell you what to do with your resources or your stuff or your things. Go to Proverbs, or Psalms rather, um, chapter 24, starting at verse 1, it says this. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and it's not just in the book of Psalms. It's all through Scripture. This principle is there. Um, whose stuff is it really? It belongs to the Lord, right? Your money is not your money. Your money belongs to the Lord. Your stuff is not your stuff. It belongs to God. So I'm not going to tell you what to do with your stuff, but I am going to give you some biblical principles to help you with stewarding what God has blessed you with. And that's a big difference. See, we're stewards over what God has entrusted us with. Well, my name's on the paycheck, Pastor Josh. Yeah, but who gives you the health to do the job? Who gives you the wisdom to do the job? Who gave you favor to get the job? Who's got breath in your lungs right now to help you do any of that? You know what I mean? It all goes back to him. Every blessing that we receive comes from above, the Bible says. All good things come from him. So he is the provider. So I'm not giving you what to do with your stuff. I'm telling you what to do with God's stuff. And I think God knows best from his word how to let us know what he wants us to do with the stuff he's entrusted us with. Now, this is huge. This is huge. Because this right here is the setup principle for the whole thing. Okay, we've got to put God first. You've got to put God first. If it all belongs to him, you've got to put him first. None of this works God's way, if you don't put God first. Everybody say, God first. God first. All right, I almost had everybody on that one. Let's try it one more time. Say, God first. God first. Okay, you got to put the Lord first with your finances, because if you don't, then, then, then you've got a conflict with everything else, because who sits on the throne of priority with our finances is not settled if he's not first. If he's not first, then... What you want in any given moment is first. If he's not first, then that whatever the deal is, 
comes first, your own desires, your selfishness comes first. If he's not first, there's nothing there to streamline priority after that. You've got to put the Lord first. And he tells us how he wants us to do that in Proverbs chapter 3, starting at verse 9. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Everyone say first fruits. Now, that's an that's a old term, but it's real relevant to our lives today. It says, honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your crops. When, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. See, putting God first in our finances and giving him um, the first fruit of increase into our lives is what it's talking about. Um, in the Bible, it's called a tithe. In the Bible, it's called offerings to the Lord. Um, so what... What this is practically is, it's like if you're, if you're going to tithe, if you make $1,000 a week, which would be awesome, uh, 1000 bucks a week, then 10% of that goes back to the Lord. Now, that's not church idea. That's God's plan for finances. And what the Lord says is, I will do more with the 90% than you could ever do with the 100%. But he does this to put a safeguard on our finances so that that guardrail is there, one, to make sure Make sure that by giving, we are making sure that he's number one in our lives and he's the priority. See, when you don't give and you don't have that, there's no safeguard there. He knew, he knew that the number one competitor for the throne in our heart was going to be our stuff. It's going to be that stuff. In fact, the Bible even says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So there's a lot tied into that. So he says, listen, I'm going to help you out. I'm not just going to say that. I'm going to give you something practical to do to help you, to help you stay in line with this. And you give it. But, but what's awesome is that when we give, God gives so much more back to us. And that's the secret weapon, okay? This is what sets us apart from any other financial standard in this world. We've got a secret weapon, and it's called God. And he... He, it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You would think that by giving money, you're losing the money. But by giving the money, you're investing the money and, and honoring him with your wealth. And he blesses back, the Bible says, uh, more than we can, more than we can handle, the Bible says. You know, um, it, it's a secret weapon. It really is. So none of this stuff works without applying this first. Amen. So you got to put the Lord first. And I'll give you just a, quick, a few quick benefits of tithing um, that we find in Scripture. Number one is how you honor God with your wealth. So you're bringing back to him and saying, God, thank you for everything that you've blessed me with. Thank you for all you've done in my life. Here's back the first fruit of what you've blessed me with. And what happens is now, now, that verse in the Bible where it says that he gives seed to the sower and increases the harvest. God's the one at work. That he brings in the resources to us. We apply it diligently, and we're good stewards over it. We give back to him, and he then increases what we have to work with over time. Seed time and harvest. Now, listen, I want to stop here because what I'm not talking about right now is a prosperity gospel. Okay? 
prosperity preaching. How many of y'all have heard of that before? Or that people say, if you will just give to the Lord, then he will bless you back and you'll get rich, man. You'll be driving a binge. You'll have a personal jet. You know, you'll have millions in the bank because you can't outgive God. And the deception in this is that they play off of a person's selfish desire to get more. And so they manipulate scripture and say, if you give, you'll get more back to do what you want with, and that's, that's not how the kingdom of God works, okay? Uh, another deception on the opposite side of that, though, is like this poverty gospel that says God doesn't want you to have anything. Just give stuff away and live as cheap as possible. There's starving kids in Africa that need your help. You know what I mean? Uh, that's wrong, too. Somewhere in the middle is where we want to land in alignment with the word of God. So it's how you honor the Lord with your wealth. But here's what happens when you do that. It results in supernatural blessing. Tithing results in supernatural blessing. And this is where you begin to get ahead. It also results in supernatural preservation of your resources, what the Bible says. What does that mean, Pastor Josh? That means your stuff lasts longer. Everybody say, my stuff will last longer. And I can tell you, man, your stuff will last longer. I've got a truck right now. It's beautiful. It's, it's beat up. It's, it's beautiful because it's paid for. Those are beautiful words, right? It is paid for. But it's got 468,000 miles on it. I can't kill this thing. I can't kill this thing. Um, and I'm not saying he'll do that for you, but what I'm saying is I've seen it in, in my life. Stuff just lasts longer. Kelly and I have stuff that we've had for years just because it won't break. It won't break. And so the Lord will allow your things to last longer. He'll preserve those things. That's what the Word of God says. And, and it'll help you overall financially because if you're not having to replace a vehicle, then you're saving money, right? You can use on something else. If you're not having to fix stuff in the house all the time, then you see how that works in our favor. Plus, it's a beautiful testimony, too, to be operating in the blessing of God. And the other thing it does is it builds your faith because it takes an element of faith to trust the Lord and to sow the seed. So it builds your faith. All those things come from tithing. We're not going to get too deep into this. We are going to cover some of this stuff in weeks to come. But I wanted to make sure that we put that in because that's first and foremost, man. If you want to be successful financially and do things God's way, you've got to put him first. Okay, you've got to put him first, and you've got to work it his way. It can't be, I'm going to do this God's way except for the first step, and then the rest of it we're going to do. No, that's your way, and you've modified it. You've modified it like my wife likes to modify phase 10 games when we play them. <laughs> Don't work that way. Don't work that way. My wife likes to change the rules all the time, and you've got to watch out with her. And, baby, you know it's, I know you're going to be watching this. You know it's true. Everybody's laughing. We know it's true. We're here for you when you're ready to change. You need to stop cheating on cards, girl. Changing the rules all the time. Changing the rules, though, listen, it, it train wrecks everything because now you're not under God's blessing like you could be. Now things aren't lasting like they could be. Now you're not honoring the Lord with the first of your wealth and, and telling him that I'm here to worship you with back, back with a portion of what you've given me. Now you're, everything's out of order, so you've got to have the Lord first. Now here's some practical stuff, all right? Um, when looking at wisdom for your finances, put the Lord first. Secondly, I would tell you, uh, pay your future self by saving. Pay your future self by saving. If you're not actively putting money into savings, 
Listen, I'm telling you, you're setting yourself up for trouble. Okay? You should be putting somewhere between 10 to 15% of your income away in savings. You should. I know the, the pushback that's right now. That'd be nice, Pastor Josh, but I don't have 10 or 15% free to put into savings. Well, that gives us a great transition point to start talking about solutions. Okay, if you don't have enough to put into savings, you got a couple of options. Uh, one, stop spending as much. Two, um, find extra income to make it so. Uh, and three, sell some stuff and use the proceeds from the stuff that's sitting in those boxes that you don't want to move with later on in life. Sell that stuff and put the money into savings. You should be looking at 10 to 15%. That's a good plan. Most financial advisors will tell you that. The Word of God um, speaks to that too. Uh, Proverbs 21, verse 20 says, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Fools spend whatever they get. All right, if you're broke at the beginning of the month, and then you get paid, and you're broke at the end of the month, something needs to change. what I'm saying? Um, So most of the time, it's because we spend everything that we get because we don't have a plan for that money to go in a particular place. Most people don't have an income problem. They have a spending problem. I want to say it again. Most people don't have an income problem. They have a spending problem. So we need to look at what's going out the door. Like if I were to ask you to just quickly tell me what you have spent your money on in the last 60 days, most people in here, some people could, but most people in here would have to think for a second and come up with stuff, and then I would probably point out some things that you're spending money on that you never even realized that you did because we just naturally have a spending problem if we don't have a plan to rein all that in. So you need to spend less and save more. Okay, I'm preaching to myself too, but there's wisdom in the Word of God. Um, It's in uh, Proverbs chapter 6, starting at verse 6. It says, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Boy, isn't that nice? lazy bones, and learn from their ways and become wise, though they have no prince or governor to, or ruler to make them work. They labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. So the principle is that you have something set aside for those winter seasons in life. You ever been through that? Did y'all go through that during COVID, any of us? Man, oh man, uh, winter seasons in life. Listen, you never know when you're going to lose the job. You never know when the car is going to be totaled and you need to replace it. You never know when someone is going to get sick and you have to, um, you have to, to move money around to, to offset that. So what you want to do is this in savings. Okay, now listen to me. What you want to do in savings, this is the goal that Kelly and I are working right now, um, is you want to have 10 to 15% going into savings so that number one, you can have what's called an emergency fund. Now, I say emergency fund, you know what I mean, right? Anybody that's listened to Dave Ramsey knows what an emergency fund is. You know, you got to have your somewhere between $1,000 and $1,500 in an emergency fund so that when stuff breaks around the house or there's you break down on the car and you have to fix it or something's gone, gone wrong with the kids, you've got that initial amount of money that can keep you from having to put that money on a credit card. 
All right? So you have that emergency fund set aside so that when the water heater goes out, you don't have to freak out because you've got the money there. So number one priority is first setting up an emergency fund in savings. Okay, if you don't have $1,000 to $1,500 set aside for those emergencies, that's a ticking time bomb waiting to go off. You need to have that. Um, the second tier of savings is this. Once you have that emergency fund set up, you want to have between three months to six months of income saved up in an account that you never touch just in case you go through a winter season in life. So that if you lose your job, you don't have to freak out because you've got three to six months of resource, okay? So that if something crazy happens and gas prices go through the roof and it blows up the budget that you have, well, you've got resources to handle those winter seasons and take care of that. Now, when I say three to six months of income, people start freaking out because for most of us, that's a pipe dream, right? So if you make $3,000, if it takes $3,000 a month to pay all of your essential bills and baseline budget stuff, that means that you've got nine dollars to $12,000 sitting in that savings account ready for a rainy day. Emergency fund and then three to six months of income or more sitting in a savings account. Then after that, you begin looking at investments and stocks and strategies and things like that. So for most of us, getting uh, an emergency budget of, of you know, or emergency fund of 1500 bucks or so um, is a great step, but we really need to be thinking. How many of y'all have lost a job and went, oh, junk, I'm in trouble? My family's in trouble. And I'm talking about your children, your spouse. Um, you, that's, bad. that's a bad situation if you're not prepared for it. And you don't have to, you don't have to freak out in those seasons if you prepare, okay? So three to six months is what you want in that savings account. So you put God first, you cut, listen, I do this so that, it's a, so that I don't even have to think about it. I let um, an auto draft happen on, on my account so that our ties go out and I don't even have to think about it. There's an auto draft on our account so that savings goes out and we don't have to think about it. So when we look at what we've got, those two things are taken care of and that stuff's working in our favor. So once you do that, you want to be able to cover your basic needs. Cover your basic needs. I'll give you a scripture for this. Um, Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 11. It says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content. Everyone say content. Why are we repeating so much stuff? Because I'm trying to keep you awake. Because sometimes this financial stuff, you can get lost thinking about all the stuff that you need to do to fix things and you lose track of what's happening in the service. So I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, to learn to be content. Learn to be content. Now, all of these things are going to come back to the first principle that we talked about, and that is putting God first. If God is first in your life, and he's the source of everything that you need, then you're content with where you are. You understand? You're not going to get your validation through buying stuff. Status is not going to be a temptation to you because you know who you are in Christ. You're not going to get caught up in the money game. You're going to be content. All right, and this is going to allow you to clearly see what is actually essential 
in your life. You need a baseline budget. Most people don't have a baseline budget. Or if once upon a time they put one together, it's so outdated, they don't even know what, what a workable budget is for them in life. And this is what I mean. Baseline budget, basic needs. I'm talking food, shelter, clothing, transportation, insurance, stuff like that. Basic needs to live in our society. Basic needs, okay? Food is essential. DoorDash is not. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, having food is essential. Instacart, that's a luxury, all right? People spend a lot of extra money on those things and they may not need to. It might be a good tool for you, but a lot of times we spend stuff on stuff because we're too lazy to go do it ourselves and it, it, it works out, yeah, gets us in trouble. Um, here, here's what I would encourage you to do. I find when I, when I talk to people, most people don't have insurance. You need insurance. You need insurance. Uh, most of us that are younger, we think, oh, we don't need it, or we can't afford it. And I'm here to tell you, there's, there's really no excuse for anybody in this room to not have health insurance of some sort. There's no excuse, especially in the state of Georgia when there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, public platform options for you to get insurance. You could, there, for a single adult, you could get coverage in Georgia for under 20 bucks a month and get good coverage. Okay, you're, you, you're not too broke to get insurance. Okay, the system's set up here so that it can help you incrementally. 20 bucks now, 100 bucks later, whatever your financial income goes up. Um, and you can get where you need to be. But listen, there's no excuse for you to not have insurance because, listen, all it takes is one accident. All it takes is one accident, and now, especially if you spend the night in the most expensive hotel in the country, in the hospital, and it's definitely not five-star, you're talking, I mean, multiple tens of thousands of dollars that you've got to pay back now. That's a lot to incur when taking a little bit of time to operate in wisdom to get insurance would save you a huge headache or save grandmama from having to destroy her savings to bail you out because you weren't ready. You know what I mean? So, so get insurance to cover yourself. These are just basic things that you need. Cover your basic needs. Find out what it costs for you to pay your essential bills and come up with that number to eat and to live Separate the luxuries out, and now you've got your baseline budget. This is important because if you don't define this, then you're not going to know whether or not you've got anything left over to save. You're not going to know what to do with the rest of it. Make sense? Okay. So I know these are budgeting basics, but most people, now if I were to ask for a show of hands and say, how many people in here have an accurate budget that you're working this month? Most of the hands would not go up in here. Some would, but most would not. Now, if you're on a fixed income, you're probably budgeting like crazy, um, but, but most hands wouldn't go up. So you've got to have that baseline number, just wisdom from the Word of God. Uh, the next thing I would say is this, pay off and avoid debt. Pay off and avoid debt. Why is it so quiet in here? Why is it so, like, there are times when, when you're preaching and you're speaking, you can feel tension come into the room. When I was talking about budgeting, I felt a little tension in the room. When I talk about paying off debt, man, I just felt a lot of tension in this room. You know what the average debt, just credit card debt for the American household is right now? 
right about ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand dollars, and you're paying eighteen to twenty-five or even higher percent interest on that stuff. It's hard to get ahead. So pay off and avoid debt. I remember a time, and go back with me in time. I remember a time where people would, if they wanted something, they would save up for it, put the money back until they had enough to get it, and then they would buy what they needed or what they wanted. And the beauty about that is that it gives you enough time to figure out if you actually want <laughs> later what you want right now. Well, that's the, that's the trap of, of credit cards and financing is that you can get what you want right now with just a small fee. You can get it now, but you might not want it in a few months. You know, I go shopping with my little girl, Abby. Um, Hannah's not so bad on this because Hannah's learned that she, she's working for her money and earning it, and so she's watching where her money goes. And she goes shopping, and she's like deciding, I don't think I want that. Maybe I want, I don't know, I'll wait for it because she doesn't want to give up that money. You know, Abby, she walks down the aisles, Daddy, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, because she hadn't started earning that yet because she's a little too young for that. But it's, it's just funny how sometimes we want stuff now, but it may not be the same later. Y'all used to put stuff on layaway? Y'all remember that? Man, I bought a ton of video games growing up, putting stuff on layaway. I walk up there and just give them my five bucks ever so often until I had it paid off and I could walk out of there with my game like a trophy. Man, what's the point? The point is, you know what? Maybe sometimes it's good to just take a deep breath and say, I'll wait. I'll wait and see. And you beat that urge to just get it because bad things happen when you get into debt. Now, I'm not saying all debt is bad. I think it's almost impossible to live today without having to incur in, this, in some season some form of debt. I think credit cards could work for you if you're disciplined. Problem is most of us say, yeah, I'm gonna make this work for me, and then in six months we go, oh my gosh, how do we get this much money on the card? I've got a buddy that's got a Marriott credit card, and they put everything on it, house payment, the utilities, and all of that stuff, but they pay it every month like clockwork, and they do it so that they can build up the points so that when they go on vacation, they don't have to pay for a hotel. It's all covered. So it's a good system for them, but it's a good system because they're disciplined in that. Proverbs 22.7, it says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Have you ever gone to work some weeks thinking you were just a slave <laughs> going to work to pay the credit cards or to pay off, you know, the the high interest on the, on the car or, or, or whatever the deal is, man, yeah, here I go. That old song off of Snow White, and it says, you know, the, the, the dwarfs were singing, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work I go, and we're singing, I-O, I-O, it's off to work I go sometimes. So you don't want to be in that situation because it just robs you of so much joy and so much passion. Romans thirteen seven says this, though. If you do have debt, you can't ignore it. Can't ignore it. Well, Jesus set me free from my old life. That means he set me free from my debts, and that's all debts. And you still need to pay people what you owe them. Um, it says, give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. Let me just stop right there. All right? Don't pull this baloney where you say, I'm a Christian. I live in the United States, but I don't participate in the financial system of this country. Now, the Bible says if you owe taxes, you pay taxes. 
you pay taxes. Whether you agree with what the government does with it or not, you pay your taxes. That's what Scripture says. Jesus paid his taxes. I know that's not fun. That's not fun at all, but that's what the Word of God says. If, if it's taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. Honor, then honor. You pay what you owe someone. If you owe someone money, you pay them the money. Okay? It hurts your witness as a Christian if you're in debt and you're not making payments towards it. You need to pay them off. Pay them off, give them the money that you said you would pay back. By the way, it, listen, this, this is hot right now. Let me just say this. All right. Um, if you went to college and you took out a student loan, if you took out the loan to pay for the school, listen, whose debt is that? That's yours. You signed the papers. You said you were responsible for paying it back. It is your responsibility to pay it back. It is not my responsibility to pay back the loan that you took out. I did not choose to get a degree in, uh, in, in duck watching or in literature or in history or, or whatever the deal is. I should not be responsible for that. You know what I'm saying? We look for outs on things. If you incurred the debt, pay the debt. Amen? All right. So, um, and actually, in Psalms 37, it says, the, the wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. So, if you borrow the money and you take it out, you've got to repay it. But there's some great strategies with how to get out of debt. And, and one of them, just a free one, is just a snowball thing where you pay off the smallest balance on your cards. And then you take whatever that payment on this card would have been and you roll it over and apply it to pay off the next largest credit card or item of debt that you have. And you just keep throwing funds towards it and you snowball into paying that thing off. It's a great strategy to, to get out of debt. We'll talk more in this series about um, debt strategies, and I believe that we can get a lot of people out of debt a lot faster by doing what the Word of God says to do. But here's a big one. With all the budgeting, with all the stuff that we've talked about, this is huge. You need to use your money for things you enjoy. You need to have fun with your money. You need to have fun with your money because... Uh, what you don't want to be is Scrooge McDuck. You know what I mean? You don't want to be known as Mr. or Mrs. Tightwad, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Stingy. Man, enjoy your, the money that God has blessed you with. You worked hard for it. Amen? Yeah. Now, I don't know about you. I worked hard for it for a doggone sure. You, you work hard for your money. So if you have been responsible and you're putting the Lord first and you've got money going into savings and, and you're operating on the budget, if you find yourself with and an excess supply of money after that. Man, listen, if you can afford it, ball out. Go for it. Get that motorcycle if you can afford it. Get that car if you can afford it. Get, look, man, get the McLaren if you want it. I mean, if you can afford it, go for it. Get the boat, get the dream house, get the property, go on the vacation, enjoy life. Jesus said, I've come that you can have life and have it to the full. Enjoy your life, but make sure you're doing it in a responsible way. You know what I mean? Going on vacation is awesome, but not if you're putting it on a credit card and you come home and now you've got to pay for $5,000 worth of vacation or something and you're doing it at 20% interest. 
That's going to eat you alive, so do it responsibly. That's going to rob you of the fun that you could have later on. Ball out, have fun, enjoy life. Christians should be the most passionate people about life. We should, man, we should have a smile on our face. We should be living life to the full. We have a Savior that died to give us the ability to do that. Amen? Amen. So, ball out. Now, after I say that, I'll say this. Another thing that you want to do is build wealth. All right? Build wealth. This is where most of us miss. Most of us miss out. It's budgeting and this one right here. Um, you want to build wealth. Albert Einstein said a few smart things, but he said this one. He said, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. As long as you are paying interest and not earning interest, you are never going to cross the financial threshold into um, building wealth. It's just not going to happen. You want to have money to invest. So after you have your emergency fund, and after you put together your, your three months of savings, what you want to begin to do then now is begin to take pieces of money to invest into things so that your money can earn money. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 2, it says, But divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risk might lie ahead. You want to diversify your money. There are a lot of funds out there that will do that for you. You give them whatever the buy-in is, and then they'll take your money, and they'll spread them out over hundreds of companies and investment so that your money's spread out, and it's safer that way so that if you know, 30% of the businesses don't give you a return, you lose money on 30% of it, it you, you're making money on 70% of the investment, and you stay ahead in the game. So you want to, you want to invest money in these funds or in the market. Um, Roth IRA is a great place to put some stuff, but you're not going to make as much interest as you would playing in the market. I know the market's crazy right now, but this is what the track record is. You put money in it, and you leave it there, and you don't touch it, and you wait. Did you know that if you're like 25 years old and you start investing $200 a month at 25, by the time you're 60, 60 to 65, You'll be a millionaire. All you have to do, 200 bucks a month in the market. You know, the old story or the old, the old joke or question, I guess, is would you rather have a million dollars today or a penny a day doubled for 30 days? You know, it's kind of a trick question. You can have a million dollars today or a penny a day doubled for 30 days. Well, if you get a penny that's doubled every day for 30 days, you end up with over $5 million dollars. Compound interest works in your favor. So if you're not investing, let me encourage you to get to the place where you can begin investing. Well, Pastor Josh, this sounds great and this sounds awesome. I appreciate the information, but there's no way, and that's the problem. That's the problem. We've got to change our mindset with this stuff. Amen? Listen, there's no reason why you can't be wealthy. There's no reason why you can't work your money like everyone else and see the benefit of it, just like everyone else. The problem is, for many of us, we don't have a plan for that. And the Word of God encourages us to have a plan for that. So, um, Proverbs thirteen twenty two says, Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but a sinner's wealth passes to the godly. Wouldn't it be awesome? 
Wouldn't it be awesome to accrue enough financial power to be able to leave something, not just for your children, but for your children's children? How awesome would that be? How awesome would that be? It's what Kelly and I want to do, and, and we're working a plan uh, to try to get us in a position to be able to do that. I think it's wise to do that, help kids out and the grandkids out, get a start in life, but that doesn't happen by accident. Probably, probably not everyone in here is going to win the lottery. There's a lot of money when somebody does, but, you know, anybody in here won the lottery? A couple of bucks? Did you win the big bucks? We need to talk to Brenda. How much money did you win, girl? Five, ten million? You know what I'm saying? So, but not everybody's going to win huge amounts of money in the lottery. So what we do is what we have matters, okay? Is this good stuff so far? Yeah. All right. So, and, and here's uh, one of the last things, all right? Um, I will say this before we get into this. What we're going to do is this. We've talked to um, a financial advisement company, and they're going to send out a financial advisor to be with us on the last week of this series. And, and this is free, by the way. And what they're going to do is work with as many people as wants to work with them to help you take another step in a practical way to figure out budgets, to figure out savings, to figure out how to consolidate and pay down debt quickly, uh, to put together a financial investment strategy for you that'll work uh, starting like the day that you w we walk out of the office, your money starts working for you, or a plan to get there. Um, we thought it would be awesome not just to talk about this stuff for the next couple of weeks, but to bring in somebody to get on a personal level with you and help you put together a solid financial plan for the future of your family and your life. How awesome is that? That's pretty awesome. Not awesome? I thought it would be great. Um, so it's something we wanted to do to, to help out the people of the church or the, or the community. So that's what we want to do. And the last one is this, is live a generous lifestyle. Live a generous lifestyle. Acts chapter 20 says, I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive, and that's where we want to be overall. I mean, which lifestyle do you think is more fun? Working hard, in a trap, in debt, and never getting out of it, or applying a plan to get free from it so that we have excess finance to be a blessing to other people and minister to them where they are. How many of you would love to just have a, an extra $500 a month just to be able to bless somebody in need, to help single moms, to help kids that don't have supplies for school, you know, that kind of stuff, to just to tangibly and practically be able to impact lives for the kingdom of God, just at, not even with the church, but you personally being able to be that conduit and that blessing in somebody's life. That's where we want to be with all of this. That's what this is all about. Not just financial freedom for ourselves, not just to get out of debt or to have a good plan or have a great investment portfolio with money that we'll be able to put in trust funds for our kids later. All that's awesome and all that's great, but we'll be able to have the freedom to make an impact in somebody's life. And to me, that's the ultimate goal right there. It's the ultimate goal right there. And a little bit of responsibility and a little bit of planning today can open up the door for us to have a huge impact for Jesus later. You know the old saying, you pay now and you play later, or you play now and you pay later. I would rather pay now while I have the ability so that I can play and have 
fun and impact people in freedom financially with the Word of God. Amen? So let me walk through this stuff one more time with you, and then I'm going to give you some homework for today. So what we want to do is make sure that we're working this right so we put God first with our finances. We honor Him first. After we do that, we make sure that we put money into savings, 10 to 15% like clockwork. If you can't do that, then something needs to change in your budget. You need to figure out what it is, all right? So that means you need to figure out what your baseline budget is. So covering your basic needs, what are those things? If you don't know that, you don't know how much you have to put into savings or any of that. Having an active plan to pay off debt so that you can beat that interest game and then turn around once you've done that and build wealth so that you're earning the interest instead of spending it and ball out and have fun with what you've got left over and enjoy life, enjoy life. And don't feel guilty about it. Don't feel guilty about it. If you have the money to take a month off and go on cruises and go to different countries, man, go for it. Go for it. If you need someone to carry your luggage, let me know. I'll help you out. But putting all this stuff together becomes a workable, practical plan to get us ahead financially. So here's the deal. Next week, next week, here's what I want you to do. Um, if you haven't done this yet, set your baseline budget. That's your baseline budget. What are the essentials? Um, shelter, food, transportation, insurance, those kind of things. All right, Netflix is not baseline budget. That's, that's, that's if you've got money after you've done everything else responsibly, that boy digital uh services will eat you alive crazy we were kelly and i were um praying and, and preparing for this today and uh i said you know what let's look at what we've got going on because it's been a minute so we looked at our budget i mean just digital services paid apps and just eating out a little bit more than we probably should have because it's a lot easier just to to pick up something on the way home than to spend you know, an hour cooking it when you get home sometimes. Uh, all of that stuff, and instantly we found, we found uh, I think it was close to $150 in our budget that we could get back just by making a few changes. 150 bucks still goes a little bit for sure. You know? So set a baseline budget. How many of you say, Pastor Josh, I'm gonna set a baseline budget? If you haven't got one, you need one. So that's your homework, and here's what's gonna happen. All right, let me show you the light at the end of the tunnel. Once you set your baseline budget and come in next week, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how over the, five, the next five weeks, we're going to try to put an extra $1,000 into savings for you. Okay, but you've got to know what your budget is first. You've got to know what your baseline budget is first. So the goal is to get an extra $1,000 in savings, whether it goes in an emergency fund or your three-month fund. Um, or if it goes into investments, if you've got all that stuff set up, $1,000 in additional savings, and we're going to show you a plan to begin to aggressively pay down debt according to the Word of God. It's going to be powerful. be a lot of freedom in it. We're going to talk a lot of powerful biblical principles. We're going to talk about the impact that happens when we do this. It's going to be an amazing journey over the next few weeks. It's probably going to be one of the more practical series we've ever done here at the church. And it's going to be to all of our benefit. You know, how many of you say, Pastor Josh, this, I, I'm a little bit excited about this. And I'm excited about what God's going to do in our, in our finances over the next few months. I'm very excited about this. I think it's going to be great. Um, 
because we need the dollars to stretch a little bit further for sure. So we apply the wisdom of the word of God. I think that puts us in a great position to see that happen. Amen. And I'm real excited about the advisor that's coming in for free. Listen, these guys don't do stuff for free, but we cut a deal and we've got someone coming in to do something for free to help set us up, to help set us up. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet this morning as we get ready to close. Good stuff. I know it's incredibly practical. I know we read a lot of scripture, but I want you to see what the Word of God says about this stuff. Not my opinion. It's the wisdom of the Word of God, and you can never go wrong applying the wisdom of the Word of God. So let's pray and let's dismiss this morning. Father, thank you for the truth of your Word and for speaking to us, Lord, for the practical wisdom that the Bible has in it. Father, I pray. Lord, that you would speak to each of us with regard to our personal finances. And I know for most of us, something is going to need to shift this week, whether it's putting you first or uh, aggressively setting up a plan to put money into savings, Lord, or looking at uh, baseline budgets, having a more aggressive plan for debt, or looking at investments to break the cycle of paying interest instead of earning interest, Lord. All of us are going to need to make adjustments of some sort. I pray, Lord, that you give us wisdom as we look at our finances. Lord, that you give us wisdom to know what to do and how to do it. Lord, if there's anyone in here who is feeling overwhelmed and drowning in debt, Lord, I pray that you speak to them, first of all, and let them know that you're in control of this situation. Your word says that if we put you first that if we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, that all of, the, all of the issues, all the things that we need in our lives, Lord, you say you will provide for us. Not that we would get rich quick, but that you would provide for us. So maybe that's a shift that some of us need to make today in putting you first. And maybe if we've been putting you first and we're feeling a little anxiety over our finances because of what we're seeing at the gas pump or how inflation is affecting the cost of things. Lord, remind us that you have not changed one bit. And remind us that your word has not changed one bit. And you do not forget your promises. And if you were the God that provided yesterday, you're the God that will provide today, and you're the God that will provide tomorrow. All we need to do is put you first and we don't have to live in fear we just need to work the plan that you've given us god i give you glory and i give you praise for what you're going to do in our lives people pray over strongholds of pornography they pray to be free from addictions in their lives lord we seldom give thought to the freedom that is connected to operating with wisdom according to your word with our finances Lord, I pray that not one person in here would ever have a need because we're working your plan the way that you said we should. I give you glory and I give you praise, Father, for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Let's give God some praise this morning. Love you guys so much. Next week's going to be powerful. You don't want to miss it. We're going to build on what we've started today. It's kind of an overview. We're going to build on it. Hey, don't forget baptism. 
If you're thinking about being baptized, sign up, sign up, sign up. We've got it coming up. Uh, if you've thought about becoming a member of Eastgate Church or just want information on what we're all about and, and all of that stuff, you can come to that meeting without the pressure of actually having to sign up to, to, to be a member. Uh, all that stuff's coming up, so make sure you take advantage of it. We love you. We'll see you next week. God bless.